James and John want to call down fire from heaven to destroy a village that has no interest in Jesus. I wonder if that's how we react to those who don't agree with us or see the world our way. Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here. You can find out more about who we are and what we do as a community of faith on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk and as always, if you find our time together helpful, I'd encourage you to like and share this video or podcast with your friends. Today, I'm joined in our worship by May Fairley, so let's listen as she reads from Scripture for us. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts hands to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We find ourselves at a crossroads this morning in Luke's Gospel. This is the moment where Jesus quite literally turns towards the cross and the long journey towards Jerusalem begins. Luke, as we will discover over the coming weeks, spends 10 whole chapters on that journey. So it seems as if for him this long road and all the things that happen and all the things that Jesus says along the way really matter. The idea of journey has perhaps become an overused metaphor. We see it everywhere. X Factor, I'm a Celebrity and Strictly are all built on the idea of journey. People start in one place and finish somewhere else and are shaped by the things that happen along the way. Films and novels are often stories of journeys. Some are about the actual journey and some are about the journeys we all go on through life. Because it's such a commonly used term, we, we probably pay it less attention than we should. Journeys are important. So many of our stories are about the journey. I could talk for hours about the journeys that we took last week. We spent the whole time on the move in America. We travelled on planes, by boat, by bus, by car and by foot through different landscapes and weathers and scenes as we saw some of the most amazing, challenging and inspiring things from the brutal island prison of Alcatraz to the magical make-believe of Disneyland. We saw some of the wealthiest streets in the world populated by homeless people. We visited Culver City Presbyterian Church and we were struck by the familiarity of it. It it looked much like our church with a pattern of worship that was obviously very strongly influenced by people like us and the people in the congregation were keen to share with us their stories of journeys to Scotland and their family connections to our country. 
Last Sunday was an important date in American life. It was Juneteenth. That's the date that they mark the end of slavery. It's Juneteenth because the proclamation of the end of slavery was, well, it took a while for the slave owners to actually free their slaves. I was able to say that our ancestors here in the west of Scotland had played a huge part in the slave trade. That our city of Glasgow was built on the backs of that vile practice and that many of our churches were built with money from those made rich through tobacco and cotton, picked by slaves, slaves that had been transported on their ships from Africa. Journeys changes, at least they should. They say that travel broadens the mind. Often going somewhere else helps you to notice what's right in front of you. Imagine wanting to come to Stonehouse on your holidays. But it was wonderful to see Francis and Zach and Asher and Walden encountering our place and discovering it with excitement and wonder, seeing the things that we so often take for granted. As well as all that beauty, we don't have to go far to see things that should ask us some pretty serious questions about who we are and what we value in our society. They also say that you can judge a society by how it treats its prisoners and its sick. It was easy to see in Alcatraz that regard for those who had in some way broken the rules was very, very low. What was called the treatment cells were just a dark, empty, concrete box. America spends far more of its population to prison than any other country, and you're hugely more likely to end up behind bars if you're black and poor. Many of the homeless people we encountered had very obvious mental health problems, or just had medical bills that they couldn't pay. We returned home to what looks like a summer of strikes as the rocketing cost of living collides with the almost 20% cuts in public sector wages over the last 10 years and the impact of the supply chain problems of COVID and the war in Ukraine. I wonder, I wonder what our reaction is when things are going badly. James and John in the Reading Today voice a solution that we might want to impose sometimes. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? That's one way to get rid of the problem. This Samaritan village wants nothing to do with a group of Jews on their way to Jerusalem. And why would they? The Jews thought the Samaritans were less than them. The Samaritans thought that they were the true believers. You see, the Samaritans were the descendants of the northern tribes of Israel, the ones who had not been shipped off into captivity in Babylon. They were the ones that had been left behind when the temple was destroyed and everyone else had been taken away. They believed that Mount Gerizim was the most holy place, not the temple in Jerusalem, because there had been no temple for them to go to. When the exiles returned and started to tell the Samaritans that they were wrong and well, that was the start of the conflict and mistrust. I wonder though if James and John are asking an honest question. Is that what you want us to do to those who reject you? It's a fair question. After all, that's what the powers of the world did and still do to those who disagree. Why would James and John think any different? Jesus rebukes them. And then we see Jesus begin to unfold what this new way of being, this new way of living, this new kingdom of God will be like. Jews come to him and ask to follow, but then come up with their own cultural excuses not to. 
have nowhere to call home, says Jesus. Are you sure that that's what you want to get into? I have to bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Let me go and say goodbye to my family. But Jesus says, no one who looks backwards is fit for the kingdom. James and John don't ask to obliterate any of these people, these would-be followers of Jesus. I wonder, is that because they are the same as them? These, these are Jews, not Samaritans. These are people with the same cultural and religious experience and concerns as they have. These excuses are their excuses. And to be honest, the things that the people ask seem perfectly reasonable. I want somewhere secure to call home. I have to bury my father. I want to say goodbye first. Do you notice how urgent it all seems? There isn't time for any of that stuff. We have to go now. The things that seem important just aren't anymore. This building of the kingdom of God is a here and now thing. It can't be put off till later because the longer we leave it, the longer we live with the old ways. The firmer the ideas of the empire grip our hearts, the harder it is to change. But I'm just not sure that we feel that urgency anymore. But why is that? Have we become so used to the world and all its problems? Our convenience and comfort has become our top concern. We all have great excuses. Sure, I'll follow you Jesus, but first let me... I wonder what the end of that sentence is for you. Or perhaps the end of the sentence is to blame someone else for the state of the world. Today we see asylum seekers shipped off to Rwanda. We see trade unions painted as the enemy of the people for causing inconvenience to their holiday travel plans just so that their members can maintain fair terms and conditions for their work. We see a move away from the Convention of Human Rights and talk of European judges as nameless meddlers who should mind their own business rather than holding our rule-breaking politicians to account. We see food banks more prevalent than McDonald's and more people than ever before living in poverty, even though they have full-time jobs. We see children being provided with meals during school holidays because their families can't afford to feed them. Polio is back. So often our response is to simply shake our heads and shrug our shoulders. Someone really should do something about that. The German Lutheran pastor Martin Nehmuller exposed the urgency of it all when he said during the rise of the Nazis in Germany, First, they came for the socialists. And I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. The kingdom of God is urgent business. It's urgent business because it's all about dignity, respect, justice and equality. Those are things that will demand our discomfort because to achieve these things will mean that those of us who have we have to change our priorities. We are required to speak out, to stand up, to hold our leaders to account, 
to paint a picture of the world that shows what life should be like. The moment to do that is now. The people to do that are us. There's no time to waste and no looking back.
Loving God, this day we have each made the choice to try to follow you. We may have been tempted to stay away, but we choose to come and worship. Help us, we pray, to continue to make this choice through whatever tests and trials we face. Jesus, Prince of Peace, this week, as violence continues, as inhumanity is commonplace, as war rages at home and all across the world, be with us. Be beside us and lead us always to your path and give the strength, wisdom and humility to those who incite hatred and start wars to see that they always have a choice to change and repent. Holy Spirit, our sustenance and strength, breathe your fire of hope and joy into our church. Here in this parish, this country and this world, help all your people to choose to continue on the path of faith through every test and every doubt. Almighty God, in this time of trial, we pray for all those known to us and unknown who are bereaved, lonely, isolated, excluded or are in need of you in any way. Hear now the prayers in each of our hearts. God, in good times and bad, who stands with us in every trial and every test, be with each of us now, and help us in every choice we make today and every day. In Jesus' name, we pray in the words that you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. From here to eternity, from pew to street corner, from young and old, your word is shared. So may we never get up when the going gets tough. May we remain ever hopeful, ever loving, ever ready to serve you. Send us in your name and with your blessing. Food Bank collects every Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm at the front doors of the church. All of your donations are gratefully accepted. Join us on Tuesday mornings for our coffee morning. It meets from 10am until 11.30pm. The price is £2.50 and you are most welcome to join us. Our plan is to collect recipes to make a book to raise some funds. 
So recipes can be given to Agnes Barr or myself as soon as possible. You can email them to info at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. Anyone who can help with the Summer Club, please again speak to me or speak to me. We're planning a family fun day and as part of that we're going to have a lucky bag fundraiser. So please, please, please could you donate some toys, gifts for adults and gift bags of all sizes. If you could drop them off at the church by next Sunday, that would be amazing. <laughs>